Welcome on in, everyone, to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Wessling, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness, as we are here to preview, um, I guess, technically, well, the first full week of Big 12 play for Iowa State, but I guess we can call it week two. Um, and then we're also going to recap the big win over Baylor. Um, but before we go ahead and get started, I just want to take a quick moment to send um, my thoughts and prayers over to DeMar Hamlin. Um player for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, you guys will be hearing this tomorrow. Uh, We're recording this pretty late. It's 10 o'clock Monday night. Um, But I'm sure most of you guys know the situation. For those that don't, he was involved in a – he's a defensive back, and he was involved in a hit where uh, he made a tackle, stood up, and then collapsed. Uh, He was on the field for over 20 minutes, um, was getting CPR for about half of it. As we record this um, at the University of Cincinnati's trauma one hospital um getting the best help he can get so just overall uh just want to hope everything's okay for him and his family uh i know you know we all love football um but this is a moment that's much bigger than the game so um just a really scary night so that's kind of the big reason why we're recording this so late is uh just couldn't really turn off uh, espn i was just was watching everything unfold yeah, one of those moments you just really don't want to see happen, and it's just another reminder of why we continue to have ongoing conversations of player safety and why these rules are in place. As much as sometimes they disrupt the game and everything, this is why they're a thing. It's because the players are human beings as well, and yeah, really just wishing the best for him and his family at this time. There's not a whole lot of updates, and it's pretty much just up to his family to release any information at this point. So I, it's going to be an ongoing conversation this week and it's going to be really tough for those two teams to get back to playing football after that. Yeah. And certainly this is not a podcast about the NFL and this will kind of like, I'll say this last thing and then we can go ahead and get to Iowa state. But uh, I certainly believe, even though I would love to watch my chargers again this weekend, I don't think there should be any football play this weekend. I think that's, probably one of the right ways to handle it i mean there's no answer that's gonna make everybody happy at this point but i think a moment of rest and reflection for everybody wouldn't be a bad thing going forward yeah um but again overall obviously guys you're uh getting access to this on tuesday so hopefully by the time this is out there's some better news but sending our thoughts to um over to DeMar um, as he's going through this. But we're going to go ahead and get started on our episode for um, this week. Uh, so starting things off, we'll take it back to New Year's Eve, where Iowa State just absolutely dominated Baylor, which is a sentence I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, definitely shifting the mood there, going back to New yeah. Year's Eve when everything was all positive and well. But, I mean... I w- I'll be honest, the first 12 minutes of the game, I thought we were going to get ran out of the building. But Kind of like the classic, like we even talked about it like before, like, oh, you know, you could get down like 15 and they're maybe like claw their way back in and it'll be close. Like kind of felt like we're going down that path again. Yeah, it just didn't seem like we could score with them and Flagler was just killing us. I mean, he was an incredible player. And then props to TJ and co for shutting him down in the second half. Yeah, pretty much left with nothing. He ended with twenty. I think he had sixteen at the end of twelve, yeah. under eight timeout. So, 
I mean, props to everybody involved. It was a really great game. I think the halftime adjustments made by Iowa State were really the key here. Pretty much shut Baylor completely down in the second half. And it all just really started in that last eight minutes of the first half. And the momentum really never stopped from that point on. Yeah. And I feel like kind of some of the big things that we highlighted, right, was one of the Baylor guards was going to have that game. Like it just always happens, just kind of like limiting the other ones. And we were down, we were going down the path of Flagler putting up over 30. But again, as Brandon noted, great job by Iowa State to shut that down. Um, you know, Keontae George, um, he kind of figured it out there in the second half where um, I think he had like one after the first half, had 15 in the second. So he was kind of their points of the second half. Him and Flag were just kind of flip-flop. But I felt like overall, like none of their bigs really did anything. Thombo only had five. I guess one of their forwards, Bridges, had 12. But it just really felt like Iowa State was – I mean, you you beat Baylor by being physical. And this was like the first time that I can remember in a while where Iowa State was like just at – not more physical with Baylor. I mean, Baylor only had two more offensive rebounds or sorry, two, two more total rebounds. So I huge credit to um, every player. And, you know, I think guys that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet in terms of points, there's a guy like Trey King. He was phenomenal. um, Like physicality wise, at least. Yeah. And I think going into the game, the biggest thing for me, at least is just, watch those rebound totals on the ribbon board as the game continues. And that's going to tell you exactly what the score is going to be. And you look up at halftime, I think they were only out rebounding us by one or two. And that's how the game ended. So when you situations, you're going to be in really good shape to be in the game. And then obviously when Grill and Kalsher combined for 10 threes, which they'll probably never do again this season. <laughs> but when the, both of those guys are playing well, this team is going to be nearly impossible to beat. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, so I guess we'll kind of that kind of segues into um, Iowa State in terms of their box score. So we'll go there. Leading scorer was Gabe Kalsher with twenty three, going five of nine from three point range, uh, seven of thirteen overall from the field, and four of five from the free throw line. He was your leading scorer, and then again, Grill was really really good as well. He only took um, at least from the field. At least he only took threes, going five of nine. And then he was also three of five from the free throw line, finishing with 18. Uh, he also had seven boards to go along with it, which is continues to add to the narrative that, I mean, this is like the first time in a while that I feel like we've seen a guard be this good, like rebounding um, in a while. Um, and then kind of going down, uh, Jaron Holmes finished with 10, and I don't believe he had any going into the second half. So he kind of turned it on. I think a performance that somehow is still going unnoticed is Taman Lipsy. Um, eight points, five rebounds, eight assists, three steals. I uh, did have four turnovers, but again, it's his first Big 12 game. Um, Shun had eight, Burt had five, Ward had three, Trey had two, um, and Demarion Watson played but did not score. Um, I guess I want to bring this up and I'll send it to you to start it off, but. Um, what's your, why, what's your thoughts on Taman Lipsy? Almost feel like he's being overlooked. And, um, I think Jared Stansberry was a tweet I saw where, or like he maybe made an article about that Lipsy might be the Iowa State's best player. And people just aren't really seeing that right now. And I'm kind of going on the path that I kind of agree. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he's playing like a six-year senior out there, and he's a true freshman. It's really incredible stuff. I mean, his four turnovers, that's going to happen. I think Iowa State's press break still really needs to improve, and we're going to see a lot of that going forward. But I mean, when you're sending over to Bert, there's maybe a little something to improve on. Yeah, and he was the only player in this game really that had an off game, I would say. But yeah. back. Game. That's absolutely phenomenal. He's the only one that's really a pass first guy besides Jasmine's out there. So he's really just fitting that Iowa State assist or turnover point guard that we've had for so many years. I mean, the last day for this team, really, that was that pass first point guard was probably Nick Weiler Babb. So it's been a little while. Yeah. It was only four years ago, but that seems like forever ago. But he's sure. really just stepping sure. into that role perfectly, and he. I honestly want him to drive more to the hoop and score because I think he's very effective when he's doing that, and he's really efficient. Whenever he shoots, it seems like he goes in, and most of that's because it's within two feet, but that's his game. Yeah, I mean, I think his first step is really impressive. Um, He got past those better guards with ease, but, yeah, I agree. He should go more. Um, He's really never going to shoot a three. Um, he did shoot one at the end of the game, and, you know, it wasn't really there. So that kind of shows you. But he doesn't need to shoot threes. Um, and, you know, you never – you know, I, I obviously wish Jeremiah Williams was on this team because I could only imagine, right? But part of me is like, wow, like not, not to say that was for the better, but it's almost, you know, with Damon being a freshman playing the way he is and Jeremiah Williams, like that was probably going to be a one and done. It's almost kind of like – I, I don't know. Like, you definitely lose scoring, but it, it just kind of feels like it worked out really well. And, again, I, I obviously did not want Jeremiah Williams to tear his Achilles by any means, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I think he that was just going to be kind of the situation of DeAndre King and Monte Morris in his freshman year. Is just that guy that can take him under his wing. And sure, the good thing that we've seen is he's excelled even without that mentorship. Um, so obviously I think Jeremiah would have started the season and probably would have been close to the leading scorer just because of he's more of a offensive minded point guard from the shoot than Lipsy is. And obviously that comes from being a senior. Um, but I mean, overall, yeah, him being out was a big deal. And you see that with a little bit of lack of guard depth right now, but I think it'll pay off in the long run when you're looking at next year really being your piece with all the recruitments coming in and everybody really building up to next year to be that year to really make a run in March and hopefully look at that four or five seed. Yeah. And I I could be often saying this and I'm and I'm not trying to like make this comparison by saying that, you know, Lipsy's gonna have this improvement where he jumps jumps into a high overall NBA draft prospect, but it almost feels a little bit like Tyrese's freshman year in a sense where I do think Ty, like we knew Tyrese had the capability of shooting from outside, but it, he just like never shot his freshman year. And it almost feels like maybe, like, you know, we're obviously still going to be talking about this year, obviously, but I think even the thing for next year is not maybe the total impact that Tyrese had from freshman to sophomore year, but like, I mean, you know, I don't. I can just kind of see maybe that step up offensively that Tyrese had, kind of similar to Taman. I don't know. 
I'm just clarifying. I'm guessing you're talking about Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so with that, I think it's very similar, except for the fact of the higher-rated recruits, more NBA-ready guys coming in. Sure. But I see your point there that he can really take that step and try to make that sophomore jump. That's a really hard jump to make, especially with the way he's playing right now, and he's not necessarily a shooter like Tyrese is that can take over a game. He can take over a game in a different way, though, and I think that's the jump. Yeah. Um, but overall, um, really impressive game um, from the Cyclones, offensively, defensively, coaching. I'm just really at least hoping Gabe Kelscher has another 23 or more um, game waiting for January 17th. <laughs> yeah, and while we're on Baylor, that I think we play them the last game of the year again. Yeah. That is going to be a rough game with as much talking as there was late in the game. Oh, yeah, Keontae, George, and Grill were. Yeah, number one's going to have about 35 down in Waco, and I'm just preparing myself for that right now. Yeah, uh, although, like, just a quick side note, I thought it was kind of a classy move by Drew to pull him at the end, but. I love Scott Drew. <laughs> Besides his antics of always being, like, at half court on the floor, yeah. drives me nuts, but other than that, I mean, it's hard not to root for the guy. Baylor was terrible when even for his first couple of years, and he's completely turned them into a national power. So I have a ton of respect for him, and he's really just building a power down there that's sustainable because it doesn't seem like he's the guy to leave anytime soon for NBA or any other college job. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, But anything else you have for uh, the Baylor game? Pretty much as close to from this team up to this point. I mean, defensively, you forced Flagler into really tough shots and he just made them. Yeah. So I think this game plan is pretty much the exact style we have to go into Kansas with or Texas with where you're playing pretty much just all guards that are their entire offensive threat and nothing really down low. Um, I think Shun played a really good game. You just need one of those bigs to have a good night, make some shots. We saw Shun's little four-point run there in early second half. So, I think something. I think when you have that plus 10 threes from investors, that's pretty much the peak of this team. So, I hopefully, hopefully they can find some more consistency with us going forward and continue to implement this game plan when you're looking at guard-heavy teams. Yeah, sure. Uh, but moving on to this week for Iowa State, um, obviously today, I guess technically when you guys are listening to this, um, Iowa State will be in Norman tonight at 6 p.m. to take on Oklahoma. They are 0-1 in conference play. They lost by one at home to Texas on Saturday. Uh, they are currently a 60, or the matchup predictor on ESPN is 61.5% favorite in, in favor of Oklahoma. And just one thing I want to bring up, um, there was like the strength of schedule for all of D1 basketball for the rest of the year. And every single big 12 team is one through 10 on strength of schedule uh, with Iowa state being number three. So I think that kind of tells you how good this league is top to bottom. Not that like we haven't already known that, but it just, you know, kind of just puts it in a statistic on your face and you're like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> 
Yeah, I saw that. And then every single Big 12 team is in the top 50 of the net rankings. So there is not a single easy game going forward, but there's also not a single game that you look at and you could have a bad loss. So it's pretty much just all quad one and quad two games. It's not like it's your chances at March or anything. And all you really have is like wins that can be applied on that good wins come bracketology time, late February, early March. Yeah. Um, But just a quick, uh, we're going to talk about Oklahoma first, obviously. Um, As I mentioned, nine and four overall, 0 and one in conference play with that loss by one against Texas. Uh, I'm just going to pull up that box score real quick. Um, Obviously we'll focus more on, Oklahoma, but a quick note, uh, the snake only had five points because he's a bum. <laughs> um, anyway, um, they were – Oklahoma's led by their guard, Grant Sherfield, who is their leading scorer on the year. Um, I think he averages about 18 a game, but he had 22. And then Jacob Groves had 17, uh, and Tanner Groves had six. Those are just kind of the guys that, like, you know – you guys probably know the Groves at least. And then Jalen Hill, one of their forwards, he had 14. So uh, that's just kind of look at how they did. Um, it just kind of feels like the game where freaking Tanner Groves is going to drop 30 on us, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he's the guy that they were. It's not as us. a little different. There's not as much of the hand. The guy that's up at the top of the key, mate. He's a really good. Um, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a necessary game for Robert Jones to bounce back. Oshun needs to be there. Um, I guess Ward, he's a guy that's, I think I really like his game. It's just whenever he gets the steal and we saw it in the corner against Baylor, he just has no idea what to do with it because he has zero ball skills right now. That's something that will come. But I think we have the shot blockers there that we can affect the guards with. It's just, Hopefully you can find shooters down the line in this game. Sure, yeah. Um, but um, not a whole lot left on that one. Um, again, it's not really um, – I, I suppose it, – it's almost, like, hard to pick, like, Iowa State to win or lose games in this conference or anyone for that matter. Um, you just never really know what's going to happen. But um, as me and Brandon kind of talked about in that Baylor preview this week – um, uh, you know, ideally, it, really, you just need to split one of the two this week. Um, obviously, it'd be sweet to win them both, just considering, I, you know, and the reason we're saying this, because Iowa State's first six, obviously, getting Baylor out of the way, um, but you go to Oklahoma, and then TCU, uh, come back home for, what is it, Tech? Yeah. Go to Kansas and come back for Texas. So, it's... You know, it's a tough six, and we kind of said if you can be three and three through that stretch, you're going to be in a good spot. So, you know, obviously splitting this week puts Iowa State in a really good position, um, you know, um, by the time you get to that Texas game. Yeah, I think splitting this week is kind of what I'm expecting at this point. The style of play that Iowa State plays with is really good for both home and away. It doesn't necessarily feed off the crowd like we saw with, Hoiberg teams where it's just 
hopefully you can make shots and get that momentum going. It's really different. It's just, does the effort come to play? And we saw it in Iowa city where it didn't, and it got ugly very fast. And I mean, with this conference, you can lose three, four in a row very quick, even if you're playing well. So Oklahoma really good team is just getting healthy and back into their stride. So I think Oklahoma is one of those games on the road that is the most realistic to win just because they don't have the fan support and you're not walking into a super hostile environment. Yeah. Um, but we will quickly shift to the TCU one um, just to kind of give a look at them. And I don't remember if I went ahead and said this or not, but um, I was I, I probably did, but I would say it's up to number 25 um, ranked once again. Um, Oklahoma is not ranked. TCU is ranked 17th as they're 12 and one. And I believe their only loss was to some nobody, right? Yeah, it was. I don't even know who it was. It was very early on in the year when they were super banged up. I wasn't yeah. going to take too much from that game. Um, but yeah, their opening game, they beat Texas Tech 67 to 61 on Saturday. Um, getting that box score up real quick. Okay. They were led by Mike Miles, no real surprise there, with 23. And then behind him with 16 was Emmanuel Miller. Um, then 14 from Baugh. And outside of that, Eddie Lampkin had six. Uh, O'Banner, or O'Bannon, sorry, he didn't have any. And those kind of are their main five. Uh, they didn't get much help off the bench. Um they had five, six, they had eight off the bench. So nothing really different, but their main production is from that starting five as it's really always been. They had, um, gosh, I don't remember his last name. He was a foreign player, but he's at Creighton now. He was kind of their bench guy that would come up big some games, but, you know, obviously he transferred to Creighton. So they don't really have much um, off the bench. So it's, you know, you're starting, their starting five are out there for a lot of the game. Uh, Eddie Lampkin will kind of be the one that tends not to play as much just because he, you know, gets tired. But yeah, I think they're a team that's, their starters going to play majority of the minutes. And a guy like Mike Miles, he can go off in any given game. He's one of those guys that we talked about with Baylor. He's very similar, he can go for 30 and he probably will be in the 20 to 30 range. So he's the only guy you really got to look for specifically. And then Lampkin down low, that's another game where the bigs are really going to have to be there. And I think a guy like Robert Jones can take on that battle like he did with Baycott early in the year. Yeah. Also, their floor is terrible. So (laughs) Yeah, their their floor is something. Uh, I mean, it's kind of... I, I I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the like attempt, but it's also just I don't know. <laughs> it's better than Memphis, so I appreciate that. But Oregon. can you see the floor frog that's supposedly in their darker sections of the floor? I didn't know there is one. Apparently there is. I can never see it. It just looks like white jumbled up nothing to me. Oh. Well, uh quick side note while we're on TCU, this one might be a little um uh, painful for Brandon, but uh, go Frogs, baby, uh, in terms of football. 
will be rooting them on to beat Georgia in the national championship. <laughs> For those that don't know, Brandon's also a Michigan fan, so definitely not. Uh, he got to enjoy some happiness after crushing Baylor and then just, you know, had that to end up wrap up his night. But, uh, no, uh, I think TCU will be an interesting one. Um, I, again, it's weird to, like, predict scores for basketball in this conference. So, but, you know, like we will. And I think probably the – I think what probably most of the fan base thinks is that uh, Iowa State splits this week with a win over Oklahoma and a, and a loss at uh, TCU. Um, and then also just another thing to add on, TCU's game on Wednesday is at Baylor at 8. So that's something you guys could watch um, after Iowa State if you guys are interested. But, um, yeah, I, I have Iowa State splitting. What about you, Brandon? I want to say I have Iowa State splitting. I don't know. It seems like the perfect time to go for a losing streak. I don't know why. I'm not <laughs> – this is one of those games where it, everybody's super confident, and then you walk into Oklahoma and look at them like nine and four. Okay, they're not ranked. Any of that, you're looking ahead at TCU. It's very easy to drop a game, and if the shooting's not there, it can turn into a slug real fast. And I just hope we don't run into that second half meltdown like we did last year. Yeah, it could certainly be a situation where you go from North Carolina to UConn, right? I mean, that's not out of the equation or even something as they're a little farther apart, but it's probably more realistic. But like St. John's to Iowa, right? Um, it, it's just I – w- I would say there's a difference, though, between the UConn and the Iowa games, whereas it felt like the effort was there versus UConn and it wasn't versus Iowa. And it – definitely feels that the effort won't be missing in the big 12 i just if you don't show up in an effort with any effort you're you're just gonna get ran out of the building and so um i think it'd be more of a situation where it'd probably be a scoring issue where you don't get the 10 threes from grill and Kalsher. um but yeah I, i don't know it's one of these this is one of those stretches and we said on this a little bit, but the first half of the Big 12 schedule is much harder than the second half, and you get Jazz back in a month. So it's really just finding a way to go close to 500, if not 500, in in that stretch. And then you're looking at up where you get these teams like Oklahoma and Kansas State at home in games that you should win. And, yeah. I, and on all, in all honesty, I think Baylor was not one of those games that we were expecting to win. So that's kind of just... You're plus one there. You're just looking for probably six or seven more wins to get you into the tournament. And then from there, it's just seeding. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, though, unfortunately, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, Iowa State wins games they shouldn't, and they lose those that they should win. So um, you get the plus one. We're kind of hoping that narrative changed, but hopefully we don't get that minus one, right? Yeah, hopefully we win more than one game in basketball unlike the football team. <laughs> Well, they're off to a better start, yeah? Uh, you know, I hope so. It couldn't be much worse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that is just about it for this. Um, anything you got left on this week? Uh, not too much on this week, but just in general. I mean, get ready for the grind of the Big 12. And we're probably going to win that. I mean, even the one like Kansas State, they're up on the rise. West Virginia's up on the rise, even after losing. I mean, there's it's just a complete grind. You have no idea what you're going to get. 
especially with a team like Iowa State that's not super talented, that doesn't have a guy that's going to go for 20 every night. It's just a complete grind, and you just hope you can make it through and get to eight. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and rock with this format in terms of the weekly stuff. Um, be sure to obviously follow us on Twitter at Side of the Storm. We go ahead and um, give you notif- – or, uh, we tweet out whenever an episode is available along with just additional thoughts and media. And then, obviously, this would be a really good opportunity if you have any suggestions, if you like the format, if you don't, for how we're going to kind of roll with – um, how we cover big uh, the basketball weeks again, um, as you guys are, we recap the previous one and then preview the current week. So the more the formula that will likely happen more is um, you know recapping two games, previewing two games. Um, let us know what you guys think about that. Obviously, for bigger games like Kansas and Texas, expect solo episodes for those. But for the most part, it'll be kind of this format. Um, but yeah, outside of that, you guys, that's all we got again, before we end off, um, hopefully DeMar, uh, Hamlin is doing much better, um, by the time this is out. Um, so again, continue to keep him and his family in your thoughts. Um, outside of that, any final words from you, Brandon? I don't think so. I mean, I'm just, it's great to have basketball season back. It's one of these times of year where you're just in complete crossover mode between, college football, NFL, NBA, and college basketball. So it's a great time of year in a lot of ways. So it's it's going to be fun ride the next couple months. Definitely. With that, you guys, we will see you next week as we will recap um, the games versus Oklahoma and TCU. And then obviously we will also preview um, that week uh, with a home game against Texas Tech and on the road at the Fog. Um, Until then, roll clones, baby.